Let's have happy time. <laughs> happy time, bears. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the blank slate. Thanks for pushing play. It's uh, your one half of your host here, Rich Camalucci, along with my roommate, the roommate, the Batman aficionado, Robert Colomberti. Hello, Richard. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. Doing very well. Excellent. Uh, here, nice and toasty in our apartment. That, that's a double meaning because of the radiators and the four beers that I'm in. Yeah. Um, here on this lovely uh, Tuesday evening, uh, we had just, as promised, we just watched the 10th episode of this first season of Gotham, and we're back to check in with everybody. Um, you know? I, I feel like this could be dangerous. Uh because I was, I was a little hesitant to have us watch it and then record right away. Uh-huh. Uh, cause if it was a bad episode, I didn't want us to be too down on it, but I'm afraid spoiler alert on our emotions that we might be a little too jazzed for it. Uh, cause it was a fun one. I think we can temper ourselves enough to, to retain that legitimacy. That said, <laughs> I'm pretty over the moon right now. <laughs> Um. Yeah. Wonderful. Tenth episode. Shoot, dude. I'm so excited. Not to. Not to. You know. Hike up expectations, but we might need to push for five. At recap every five, dude. Man, I'm just jazzed. Well, dude. this is. This is what it's gonna be. Oh yeah. yeah no. Yeah, never mind. Yeah. Our first one was actually the <laughs> Well, see. There you go. Um. I'm just excited. Uh. I found this episode mm-hmm. to be excellent. Mm-hmm. I know that's not a great. Start to a thesis right there, but there's a lot of really great things going on. Uh, okay, well, here we are. Rich and I are here. Again, this is more than just, this is not a recap of episode 10. This is a re- not a recap, but this is how we feel yeah. 5 through 10 and the whole series overall. Yeah. Like I said, sort of just checking in. Check in, absolutely. And dude, I'm checking in with a lot of positivity. I'm, I am a very big fan of this show after, before watching the first episode, was not very interested in it, and I am down. I'm down for the rest of season one, and I am down for whatever else they have to offer. And 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 for those of you not familiar or that may doubt the man, Robert is as long as I've known him. Oh, uh, tempting fate here. Uh, is the man lives and breathes Batman? I, I don't want to. Go long-winded into his credentials, because uh, he just—he is. If you doubt the man, test him. Yeah, email Come me after or him tweet on me. Twitter. Yeah, M Bravo, M Bravo. Fucking test his metal. He will fuck your ass. Thank you, buddy. That's no one problem. of the nicest things anyone's ever said about me. <laughs> I mean, but seriously, yeah. thank you, buddy. Well, that's—I mean, for Christ's sake. Uh, mullet for his, for your birthday one year got you a pair of Batman brass knuckles. That's right. Yes, brass knuckles shaped um, uh, like a bat with a bat symbol on it. Because none other would do. It was fantastic. So this uh, the tenth episode in particular. Let's just talk very reactionary about what we just saw. Yeah. Do we want to do we want to give any sort of plot recap real briefly just to give. More context, or um, we'll just get into just feelings. Sure, sure. I mean, just very briefly, okay. uh, Selena Kyle, the future Catwoman, was living at Wayne Manor to be safe uh, as she was going to be a key witness in the Wayne's murder. 
Um, and uh, Harvey Dent uh, kind of went to this businessman, Dick Lovecraft, to kind of try to scare him as he was a potential uh, suspect in uh, conspiracy for the Wayne's murder. So that's pretty much where we are, right? Exactly, yes. And then there's like the Fish Mooney, Maroney stuff, which, uh, yeah, it, it's, it, it was getting a little weird. It kind of got a little bit more cleared up to me in this episode. Yeah. Uh, not in any sort of like, okay, yeah, that makes sense way, but it's like, all right, I guess that makes sense way. The stakes are more present. Um, yes. It, that, and the implications of this sort of this, this house of cards yes. uh, a power structure that cannot remain the same much longer. There will be a, a paradigm shift in who is mm-hmm. running the crime families mm-hmm. of Gotham very and, soon. And uh, both parties are moving their chess pieces around while the other party thinks that they're the only ones doing it. Right, and and for like a mutual annihilation, like it, for for one person that has the the light switch in the room at their hand, it could just end the game whenever he wants. Exactly. Uh, so this episode, episode ten, entitled Lovecraft, um, I would say that we've finished many episodes where it's like, yeah, that was really fucking good. Oh, that was good. Yeah, that was real. Oh man, I like where they're going with this. Where they're going with that. I'd say my immediate reaction to this episode is that was badass. I have not seen. Uh, I didn't have as many like wiling out moments watching Gotham as I did in this one. Man, I was almost standing up like two or three times in this episode. A lot had to do with Alfred. Yo, uh, God diggity damn, dude! Fucking Alfred. Motherfucking Pennyworth. Dude, we got so many people who keep it 100 on this show. <laughs> we got we got Bullock keeping it as real as possible. We had a whole conversation the other night walking somewhere. Just like, dude, that's the Bullock move right there. Absolutely. Like, WWHBD. Exactly. And, and it turns out what he would do is show up to your apartment with a very large prostitute. Yes. It's beautiful, man. And then Alfred this episode from Alfred one. or as he was formerly known as James Bond. <laughs> yeah, you didn't know that? Yeah, holy shit, dude. Like, I mean, it had to be within like the first 5 minutes of the episode, probably within the first 4 minutes of the episode. He just straight up forearm shivers who we may come to believe is Lady Shiva. Yes. Yeah. Looking like uh, as far as characters go. Mm -hmm. First four minutes of this episode, Alfred gives a punch, gives a punch, takes a punch, takes a bullet, shot in the arm, gives a bullet. Yeah. I mean, Alfred is is just he he's like fighting two guys at one time. (laughs) I mean, it was established early on that he was a, a royal marine. Yeah, but for someone to go from a Royal Marine to a butler, like you don't expect them to be as badass. No, and especially someone who is, best case scenario, late, late, late 40s, you know, yes. much more, yes. you know, 50s, early to mid 50s. Yes. Who's that? Act- do we know that actor's name? I do not. No. Let's, let's figure that out. Give this yeah. dude some props because he is killing it. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to go ahead and look it up on my phone just to kind of save my computer, the stuff. But 
Yeah, I'll go ahead and look him up, and you go ahead and... So, anyways, I'd say about... Well, just to split it into even halves, you know, we got to see a really excellent side of Alfred in this episode. Um, we definitely saw the greatest stakes so far in terms of the Wayne clan, which was after these <clears throat> assassins come to go after Selena, Selena and or Bruce, they have to flee the mansion and into the city. So we have the situation of Selena and Bruce on the run with hired killers going after them. And we have the first of what I hope might be more team-ups between Gordon and Bullock and Alfred. Yeah. So we got to see a lot of good stuff there. Um, a lot of really good motivations. A lot of really good action. This show... All right, here's my deal. This show... And I'm never going to be... I'm not a fanboy to the point of being someone who's going to be upset by being derivative of the original material. Mm -hmm. I'll be excited when it's authentic. And it does a great job of that. But this is just a good TV show. Yeah. And I one thing I don't do is watch a lot of TV. Right. And this is a very entertaining show. Yes. That is definitely in, you know, up my alley, but this is an entertaining, fun TV show. Uh Alfred Pennyworth, played by Sean Pertwee, uh, who is you Pretty much nailed it. 50 years old. Heck yeah, man. Totally killing it. So I think that, you know, we got some... Again, you know, we're very excited. A little giddy. You know, uh, as we mentioned earlier, the main antagonist in this episode is a hired killer. Mm -hmm. It's a woman with some sort of what was supposed to be portrayed as as some high degree of martial arts mm -hmm. proficiency. It looked like probably Lady and Shiva. Higher ties. Yes, yes. More implications to who sent her, what mm -hmm. is the, you know, what's the ultimate goal here? Who's of, really pulling the strings there in Gotham? Go. Puppet master stuff. Yes. Which I fucking love. I mean, it, it further lends credence to one of the things that I loved in the, the first time we talked about the show, in that, even, like, it... it it means the Wayne's murder wasn't random. And if it goes even higher up than just the mob bosses, I'm even more intrigued. You know, as, as that Lovecraft character was sort of pleading with Gordon before, like he was about to show him all the documents and that we were told that there were stocks of uh, Wayne Enterprises being bought like crazy, massive chunks of it before the Waynes died. Yes. So it'll be very interesting to see where... That leads. This is another thing is kind of like a traditionalist. I am a fan of the randomness of the Wayne murder. In certain tellings, I am a fan of it's a street crime. They never find the dude. And that's kind of uh, Catwoman exposes this or Selena exposes this point of view in the episode. She says that this shit just happens. Yeah, I am a fan of that that telling. But you're right. They're doing a very good job. Of, of the complete opposite, yeah. but in just as a fulfilling way, you know? If you're going to serialize this, mm -hmm. for the sake of being able to follow it, mm -hmm. as well as just being different on the story, then 100% go this way. I, 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 I can and understand no. the credence and the symbolism behind it being a senseless killing. But 
as before, just for the sake of being different, d- 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 tell me again, regale me with a tale of what you saw a few weeks ago on your way home on the uh, on the red line train here in sh- here in Chago. Oh, in Chago, yes, all you movie buffs and you info seeking fans. So, um, there are a number of wonderful old theaters in North Chicago. There's almost a whole district here on the north side. Among them is, just for the sake of uh, being specific, is the Aragon Theater. That's off of our lovely Lawrence stop. So, that stop, uh, in typical CTA fashion, branded the Lawrence stop, was completely rebranded as the Gotham River. We'll have to maybe try and see if we can link some photos or something in this, but... So, in short, Batman Superman shooting in Chicago on a cold night about two weeks ago. Gotham River stop on our typical transit stop. And what's going on at the Argonne Theater? Well, we've set up a massive marquee. What's playing? What is playing, Richard? I don't know. I'll what, tell you what's playing. Let, let me look up Fandango or something like that. Let me yeah. get my Flickster well, account there's going. a couple movies playing, uh-huh. you know? Uh, Excalibur is coming next week, oh, according God, yeah, to the marquee. Fan, big fan. And then... Of course, uh-huh. the Mask of Zorro. Oh, is playing. Why? And did I mention that there are some old-fashioned cars hanging out in you front of the theater? I'm sorry, but there were there were a number of older cars hanging out in front of this theater. My my, a theater that maybe some affluent couples might be going. Affluent couples with their endearing and eager son to regale him with the exploits of the original and one of the greatest masked vigilantes ever to grace uh, the silver screen in fiction. The Waynes got murdered in Chicago about two weeks ago. Straight up murked. For Batman, Superman, Dawn of Justice. Yeah. I think that, I think you're right, Richard. I appreciate what you're saying totally about taking it in a new direction and also what sort of occurred to me in writing, it's called like the inciting incident. Yeah. I mean, this is the nexus point of, of the Batman mm-hmm. mythos is, is this incident. And to in, and as it was awesome to see for Batman Superman filming here a couple of weeks ago in Gotham, it's wonderful to see the importance placed on that and some that we can ride throughout the whole series. Yeah. Yeah. And, and even not, not, if not the whole series is, it was a great way to sort of, ramp the series up mm-hmm. uh back to batman versus superman the as many times as we've seen this portrayed maybe possibly the only way that i'm actually interested in seeing the waynes killed again is if superman did it so <laughs> uh like he just like goes back in time or something like that. he's just like man fucking whatever come only because on. i have such a, a chance to say this i've i've told this to one or two friends already but Back to those cars, there's something really unique going on is I definitely saw a 50s era Chevy and I saw like a 1970s era Dodge Charger. So there's a very temporarily ambiguous quality to this scene. It's, as I've put it to most people and what I'm very excited about is it's just in the past. We don't know if it's the 50s, the 70s, the 30s, the 40s, the 80s. It is, hey, when I was a boy... My folks got killed. Yeah. A very, very cool element. Uh, We touched on this. It's pretty similar to Gotham, too, in that, like, some of the cars are older. Mm -hmm. uh, Some, like, 80s models cars. uh, You know, like, some older cabs, like, you know, 60s, 70s. And then they, you know, have, like, flip cell phones and everything. Exactly. Right. 
you know, very ambiguous. Yeah, very, very timeless in a way. Um, so, yeah. to get back to this episode, uh, um, so the crux of the, or the, most of the episode deals with Bruce and Selena evading these assassins as Gordon Bullock and Alfred track them and, down. And, and building their relationship. And this was the first episode that I really saw their kind of like chemistry click. It was cute. It I'm was a, adorable. It was cute. It made a bunch of grown men. I was pretty, I was like, kiss. My, Everybody my, kiss. My, my arms were up in the air. <laughs> it was. Cheering for them. It was great. Um, so I'd just like to get to the second part that got me so excited. Mm-hmm. Going back to this being a well-written TV show. We're also halfway through the first season, so where are we going? As a result of the death of, of what's his name? The, the powerful criminal dude? Uh, Dick Lovecraft. As a result of Lovecraft's death, the mayor virtually demotes Gordon out of the GCPD. And where does he send him to, Rich? Security detail at the newly renovated Arkham Asylum. What? Very okay. Uh, I'm I'm absolutely fascinated as to what's going to happen with all of this. Now, as you mentioned, this is the technically the mid season finale, uh, even though it's uh, ten episodes into a twenty two episode uh, season. Yes, which was not originally twenty two episodes. Originally, it was essentially a pilot season for sixteen episodes, and after its initial success got uh order it, it was ordered for uh six more episodes six yes yes um christmas special yeah <laughs> i don't know uh a downton abbey style christmas special which will be two hours and a, a huge plot points will happen young alfred crossover bro oh my god if his dad is uh fucking oh um shit, what is his name yeah Main Butler Mr. Guy. Carson? Uh, no, not Carson. No, yeah, Carson. Is it Carson? Yeah, it's Carson. Yeah. It's the other guy. Yeah. Holy shit. If it's like... Like Carson Pennyworth. Yo! <laughs> oh! Hell yeah. That'd be amazing. Somebody do that. Uh, somebody, no, don't do that. We're going to write it. Uh, no, we're not. You do it. Um, <laughs> that'd be amazing. I'd shit my pants. If they even just like slid in any sort of reference to a Pennyworth or anything... I would shit my fucking pants. I'd be pretty down. Um, I can't wait to catch up on Downton Abbey. I don't care who fucking knows that. Um, hey, all you haters, you're talking to a real hater now. And Downton Abbey is fucking dope, all right? Yeah, dude. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah. So, what I was getting with that is my original thought when they ordered more episodes, I wasn't quite exactly sure how they were going to add those episodes um, unless they haven't been shot already or what, but it seems like they know where they're going with things. Either way, in my head, the easy fix would have been to just have more sort of bottle uh, procedural episodes. Right. Which I'm fine with. I've very much enjoyed those episodes that we've had like that so far. Yeah. They kind of written themselves out of that situation to be able to do that with putting Gordon in Arkham on security detail. I mean, I guess we could follow Bullock on these cases, but I don't know. I'm very interested to see what they do. I'm slightly nervous, uh, but in a very excited way because it's in this very new and rich environment. Um, 
I'm a, I, I hope that doesn't result in less Bullock. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It, it'll be interesting. What do you think? <clears throat> I think it's a tall order to fill, kind of, but I think it's completely within their ability to do it. I'm also afraid they're going to shoot their wad early on a few things, just being in Arkham this early. True. I think that... Well, that's kind of the the interesting nature of this show is it keeps evolving. I mean, mm-hmm. it seemed like this show was originally planned for no Bruce. There was not going to be a Bruce in yeah. this show, and he's quickly becoming, you know, third billing or whatever, if not second. I mean, so this show is evolving in a very interesting way. As far as the the premise of Gordon being in Arkham, I am a fan of it. I think that it's a really compelling way to give a lot of time to something that deserves a lot of time. Mm -hmm. I agree with you that there's a huge danger in getting into too much stuff too fast. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, if if we weren't on the ground in Arkham, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure we could really build a good picture of it. I think maybe the way that television has had success in flash forwards and flashbacks and all sorts of stuff, we can, at least for a few episodes, toe the line of of Bullock and Gordon being separated. Um, you're right, though, that that sort of jeopardizes one of the best dynamics on the show, mm-hmm. which is the two of them together. Tough to say and tough to... We were just getting to the point where the Bullock and Gordon relationship was really starting to touch with the Wayne family relationship mm-hmm. in a major way. I'm not so, I'm not so sure what situations Bruce or Alfred will have to go to Arkham to communicate with Gordon, really. Yeah. So a couple of of hazards there. I'm excited, dude. I wouldn't mind seeing sort of Bullock become like their go-to guy, though, either. I think That'd be nice. You know, one of the most... fun. Yeah. Like, he takes Bruce to his first strip club or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) First and only. (laughs) Seriously, though, I think one of the appealing things... And one thing that is is a appealing part of the Batman mythos that they can touch upon is the number of mentors he has. I yeah. mean, they, it takes a village to raise a child. It takes a whole city to, you know, raise a Batman. Yeah. And there's, like we saw in this episode, all the things he learned from Selina. Mm-hmm. There's tons of shit Bruce has to learn from Alfred, Bullock, Gordon, Selina. You may have mentioned that he was mentored under... Lady Shiva. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, Edward... Oh, bro. Really Nick, endearing himself. So much. He's such a, uh, a big old good guy. I love it. He, uh, I, 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 he had one scene in this episode, and it was just the sweetest thing. He's just like... Yeah, he nailed it. Yeah, I fucking love it. And it's going to make it that... It's going to hit that much harder when you see him become a, a supervillain. Agreed, yeah. Um, You touched on uh, a Lady Shiva a little bit, and, and halfway through the episode you were like, eh, I kind of need to see a little bit more from her if she's going to be, like, you know, what she could be, or what she's supposed to be, or something like that. And to which to which I countered, alright, look, in that opening scene, they're running after Selena Kyle and Bruce Wayne. And I noticed earlier, that she on the, had, had these very, very thin, very high heels on. And, and then shortly after that, she's, she's booking it Full steam ahead after those kids 
in the lawn in grass. Now, I don't claim to know much about women's shoes. And you hear my voice go deeper. <laughs> uh, I don't claim to know much about women's shoes or, or anything about heels or of the sort. However, I, I did work in a, a shoe store for three years. Yep. Uh, granted, with Skechers, we weren't dealing with a lot of fucking stilettos or anything like that. But I can imagine, A, it's not easy to fucking run in heels. No. B... It ain't easy to run heels in fucking grass. And it was like a kind of a like a, like a, like a grayish, wettish day, it seemed like. She could have sunk in there very easily. Very easily, for sure. You know? So, like, to counter your argument, that was impressive as fuck. League of Shadows worthy. League of Shadows worthy, for sure. Another, um, another character to return, we saw the first reemergence of Ivy. Yes. And, again, um, something that I was not stoked about... When we saw her very throwaway appearance in the pilot, yeah, seeing her now, they're setting up a very good character because this. So Ivy, um, whose father was Mario Pepper, who is framed for the Wayne murder and subsequently killed by Bullock when he's trying to kill Gordon. Uh, Ivy is now bounced around in foster homes and found herself on the same streets as Selena, where they, I guess, have a pretty good relationship. Although it is very clear that Ivy, in my own words, and I think pretty appropriately, is very damaged goods. Oh, yeah. Which was it this episode? Did they reveal it? Because obviously her dad's dead. But was this the reveal of what happened to her mom, too? Yes. Okay. Yes. Who slit her wrist, in her words, which was not mentioned uh, beforehand. I think that that, again, um, sort of in as far as the interpretations of characters that I enjoy or would like to see, that's important. I mean, we're talking about um, a, a femme fatale character, very like multi-dimensional female character yeah. with all the strengths and weaknesses of like a traditional femme fatale. She reminded me a lot, though, especially the way she played it too. She reminded me a lot of uh, a, a younger version of a Natasha Leone. Uh, who uh, is in Orange is the New Black. She was in the American Pie movies. She's like the, the frizzle, frizzy hair. I'm showing Robert pictures now because he didn't recognize her when I mentioned her by name. Uh, but does that bring uh, uh, strike a chord now? And do you agree? It definitely does now that I see this chick, especially these Orange is the New Black Yeah, and she like photos. The, the little girl that played Ivy did this thing with her eye too that fucking Natasha Leone does. And it just it wigged me out. And it was it was really great. She it was, was like even perfect, perfect uh, angle to come at that character from too. She was like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. How do I look? And it was yeah. funny. It was very, it was very um, to quickly psychologically profile this character is very like detached. Yeah. From yeah. from her actual reality and how she would feel, uh-huh. but at the same time, incredibly concerned mm-hmm. with exterior like judgment which again for a character based on her seductiveness and the female appearance and the female um body as like an an image to be viewed like again i mean also let's know this chick i mean this girl's probably like what like eight or nine years old <laughs> like 11 maybe or something so that's like gonna that. be a while but but definitely the right psychological profile yeah. of someone who would grow up to use their mm-hmm. sexuality and especially their insanity against yeah. everyone again i'm glad this is only the second time we've seen this character and 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 sexuality being that much of a big part 
of that character. Um, like, hopefully they temper it to where she does get older and she does start learning how to... Because there's a certain age where girls learn how to use those type of things, you know, to... Manipulate. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't want to use manipulate. Well... Because, you know... Oh, you get it. You get it. You get it. And, uh, and, and yeah, it'll just be fun to see her start putting the pieces together of, of what she has at her disposal naturally. Quick aside, or not aside, but to, to relate to this point, one of the best things in Batman's rogues gallery, and also one of the, the points that drove the success of the Batman animated series, which totally informed who I am as a person, of the early 90s, was the psychological makeup of all these villains. Um, and in each of them, there is an element of, of um, not pity, but something that you can recognize as like a, a tragedy. Um, and at the same yeah. time, an element of, of a very like devious nature. You know, every one of these villains legitimately has something horrible happen to them, but every one of them is legitimately being a, an awful person in response. Yes. So another thing, I don't know, this was a big moment to me. Uh, and, and I feel like it was properly uh, shot and captured. Was uh, we got to saw we got to see uh, Bruce's first roof jump, rooftop jumped. It's like oh, that's kind of a big moment, seeing as like that's all he's going to be doing for like the rest of his life. Absolutely. I don't know. I just thought that was kind of cool. Um, so uh, someone who we haven't even mentioned yet on this podcast because he wasn't really in this episode a lot. Although it was important in setting up what is going to be happen in this sort of part of the world in the next uh, future on these uh, of this show, um, but has been getting a lot of praise for his great work, and that's Robin Lord Taylor as the Penguin, who's just been crushing. I know you've been uh, the uh, that's been your favorite character on the show so far. My man carried the show for about the first seven episodes. Yeah. I mean, talk about charismatic and someone who I'm invested in. Yeah. You know, just want to keep seeing his growth. That's kind of the thing I think somebody was talking about. Oh, it was in true detective. The director was talking about the really compelling shot in the fourth episode. Uh, that's all one long take. Oh, mm -hmm. sorry, everybody. Well, it, nothing to be spoiled. Very compelling, very yeah. dangerous situation. And he said that because it takes place in the past and we know both these characters are alive in the future. Mm -hmm. We know that there's no true risk in them dying. Yeah. Same goes for the penguin. If mythology follows, which I'm sure that it will, penguin's not going to get killed at any point in this series. Ever. So no matter how many dangerous situations he's put in, we know that ultimately he's either going to find his way out or he's given a second chance or something like that. With that barrier in the way, I've still found myself... Like I said, incredibly investigated in the penguins' ups and downs. Well, because that's where the inherent investment lies, in that you know he obviously does, and you want to tune in to see how he does. Yeah, you know. Uh, and in this episode, you know, there's uh, things are starting to. That's essentially the whole chess metaphor I was making earlier between Don Falcone and Fish Mooney they're you know starting to move those big pieces um and it, it's a little flimsy but where they're going should be solid um go ahead you got you want to do like a prediction I want to do a prediction I want to know if you have any future predictions oh um 
Yeah. Well, uh, we talked earlier about sort of where we kind of hope what happens with the fish mooning character mm-hmm. uh, in ultimately leading to her demise, which wouldn't be shocking because it's like she's the one aside from she, she was the biggest name to come onto the show and, and oh, yeah. you know, the only original character from the show. For sure. Um, so it wouldn't be shocking if they do away with that character uh, in some sort of untimely demise. Right. Um, so, but I feel like we've already sort of covered that. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, oh, not really. I'm, uh, what do you got? I was envisioning the rise of the penguin to be a little more gradual. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. slowly he will overtake. All right. So we have three. We have two bosses mm-hmm. at play, pretty much, and three primary gangsters. Uh, so there's Falcone, Maroni, and Fish. I was thinking that the penguin would have like this gradual kind of rise and bump off and bump off. Here's the thing: I see the penguin in power on on top of everybody eventually. Yeah, every everyone's going down eventually. Yes, I think that's going to happen in like a Yojimbo style, a fistful of dollars kind of way, where he's going to play everybody against each other at once. Like he's not going to knock off Fish and then knock off Maroni okay. and then knock off Falcone. Uh-huh. I think. I don't know how I would do it or whatever, writing-wise, but I think we could see just a massive implosion, and he's the only one left standing. Right. Like, at once. Um, that'd be interesting. Again, I, I, I'd be afraid of that being, like, a, a shooting off of the wad, as it were. Sure. Uh, I think to be more prudent would be to have him sort of slide into what Fish's role, uh, early status, is uh, right now, um, and then eventually, yeah. I also would hate to lose uh, the characters and actors that play Maroni and Falcone, especially John Domain uh, from The Wire and just general all around just fucking great Falcone. I would, too. And Maroni, too. Maroni was Mm -hmm. recapping whatever episodes it was when... um, when Penguin first revealed himself to Maroney yeah. and Gordon had to vouch for him. Yes. I would say to this point, if that isn't my favorite scene, it's still definitely in my top three, mm-hmm. is when Gordon, Maroney, and Penguin are all at the table explaining what's going on. What about you, Rich? What's, what immediately jumps out to you series-wide at this point as like... Like the scene? The scene for you Ooh. so far. Possibly the first one that comes to mind is probably, I think it was in the second episode when Penguin fucking deals with those two frat boys in the SUV. Yeah. Uh, and just straight up just murks those dudes. It's pretty real. Uh, that was cool just to see like that first exhibition of like brute violence. Um,. Uh, bullet coming in with a prostitute is always great. Uh, that always is going to be at the forefront of my mind. We just need a T-shirt of just that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think when when the the shit hits the fan that Oswald's still alive. I think that one oh, episode yeah. ends like that. Yeah, that was good. Uh, something interesting about this episode: they didn't spend one scene in the police department. It gets dismissed there, but it's pretty quick. That, was it? I'm pretty well. That's where Ed was. 
Oh God, you're right at the very very end. But in yes. but there's no, they're not talking to um, yeah, Captain Sarah her last name Essen. Essen right? They're not yeah. talking to Essen. They're not. They're not you know going. They might as the, well have been in the coffee shop around the corner. Right. Yeah. Ed's favorite coffee shop. Exactly. Um, which is called Crosswords. <laughs> I I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so let's see, we've had an implication of a league of shadows. Uh, I think I I would agree. Uh, I would say, uh, something we have not revisited since first happened was venom that the venom, the venom cooker plopped that in there. The Walter white of venom. Yeah. Is never captured. He jumps off the side of a building. He's like, later, losers. Yeah. There's still a Venom-powered supervillain somewhere in Gotham. If a very good rule of thumb as far as television goes, uh, you know, this has been more, this hasn't been more solidified than it is in The Walking Dead. But if you don't see a character die, if you don't see them die, don't necessarily consider them dead. Right. It's kind of Chekhov's gun type thing. Yeah, fuck. I, I'll be there. In my my slightly uh, bubbly state right now, I almost completely forgot about fucking Venom. Yeah, dude. Holy hell. Uh, in between the last time we talked about Gotham for Blank Slate, um, there was the Goat Man episode I really liked. Uh, was or the Goat. Uh, was it just the Goat? I it was like the I spirit, it was the of, spirit the goat. of the Goat. That's what it was. <laughs> Something. Silly as it may sound, I thought it was a really really fucking solid episode oh man we got to see a side of bullock we hadn't seen and it was the first sort of introduction to hinting at a supernatural element of the show yes yeah because at a certain point there was no denying there was some sort of spirit doing this yeah you know there was a or was there there was like the psychological there was a a suggestion But I think that we did hint at elements of Gotham is like a modern day Sodom and Gomorrah. It's a corrupt, evil place. And then they also do just straight up acknowledge that, uh, uh, was it like the waste dump or something like that? Oh, it's built on the Indian. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) On an Indian burial ground. That's right. Like they just straight up put that out there. Like something hill, not bunker hill, Uh, Indian hill. Yeah. Indian hill. Indian hill. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, that's all you got to say. All right. No worries, dog. Um, yeah. Anything else? Uh, I thought that Richard Kind is still continuing to crush as the mayor in a, a, a role that you don't ever really get to see him play. Sure. If you follow the career of Richard Kind, as I do. You know, I think... Um... How do you feel about the way... Uh, Harvey Dent went down. Okay. Last episode, which would have been nine. Yes. Is probably to date. Not the one I disliked the most, but I found the hardest to follow. Mm-hmm. It crammed a lot of stuff in. That was all the first appearance of Harvey. There was a lot of like reasoning and plotty, very plotty elements of fish blows up Mar- or uh, Falcone's money. Uh, yeah. That was a little and convoluted. And that is like, okay, whatever. Harvey, I think, is Harvey, I think, is a good example of 
of too soon. Like it's, I don't know. I'm just not as not as compelled. We talked about this off we the did. air that one of what makes Harvey such a tragic villain is not that he's just not that he's just a, a guy who gets hurt, and not that he's just a crusader for justice as a DA that gets hurt, but that he is Bruce's friend mm-hmm. and almost a brother like figure to mm-hmm. Bruce that gets hurt. So I posited that again in this sort of mentorship element you need young Bruce to have a relationship with Harvey Dent. And they're already painting Dent to be kind of the the two-faced... Edgy, duality-based... Yeah. Hero, then bad guy, bipolar then hero. Bipolar, kind of, yeah. Like, there was that scene where he was telling Lovecraft that, yeah, we have a witness, so, you know, fucking get ready, bub. Yeah. And, like, he, at one point, sort of snaps. Yeah. And it's like... I, we're going to get there. We get no it. No need. No need. And in the scene where Gordon is virtually demoted, yeah. the mayor even calls him out on it. Harvey goes, I protest. And the mayor goes, but not too much. And it sort of sets him up as a jerk. It's, and again, not trying to be witty here, it's very two-dimensional. It's very like, this character is sometimes good and sometimes bad. Yeah. Versus, again, I have to say that the thing that drives a lot of the pathos or whatever is he was bruce's friend yeah and then he falls in the line of this crusade which makes you question you know if i keep hurting people i care about in doing this is it really worth doing yeah and if you do want to set it up as he is bruce's friend if you went to law school he'd be out he would probably have to be minimum 24 Oh, if sure. he like you know uh-huh. graduated early and stuff like that, Bruce is twelve. We should say thirteen. He's, he's twelve. Uh, twelve. Uh, Something. Like so that. there's like an eight year difference max between them. Eventually, I could see that not being too much of a thing. There's eight years between. Well, brothers. again, you know, it doesn't. It doesn't have to be so. Uh, no, twelve years. Sorry, twelve years. Twelve years. I'm it doesn't have idiot. to be so on the level, but we do have to. We got to put the again. They do have to be sort of peers at one point. Yeah, they do. Well, again, Bruce is proving himself pretty adept at at connecting to adults above his age range. Yeah. I mean, even yeah. even Selena is a little older than him. I mean, she well, she's the least older of him than anyone else. But he, he almost connects to Gordon and Alfred on a mm-hmm. pure level yeah. than he does as a as a child. Mm-hmm. Uh some other references. Uh potentially this could have been just like a a, a silly sort of nod. Uh, but when Selena and Bruce are like kind of talking or whatever in the last episode and Bruce asked Selena, like, you know, like what her parents are like and stuff like that. She mentioned that her mother was in like a secret agent. Well, but she also did magic. Oh, yeah. She did magic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, um, most fans will know that a pretty big supporting character that was a, a long-established DC character that Paul Dini brought in in a huge way, first in the animated series and then in his run on Detective Comics uh, in, like, the last decade was Zatanna, uh, who's a great, great character. Um, she is she's a female magician who's legitimately magical. I wouldn't say she's, like, a witch or a wizard necessarily, but, yeah, but there, there was reference to that. And Rich, you know, Rich thought, uh, maybe a fun little nod. That'd be I'd, cool. Yeah. There, as as good as the show is with being 
very grounded, there's a big part of me that does want to see it go into some mystical places. Here's another thing. Here's another thing that we we saw in this episode, particularly the relationship between Selena and Bruce. And they both they're both sweet on each other, but yeah. but both has like a reason to not admit it. Mm-hmm. And of course, Bruce is kind of a square yes. or whatever. But Nerd. I would lo- I would love nothing more than like a 12 or 13-year-old Zatanna to show up and make Selena extremely jealous. Ooh. And just be like, who is that? Yeah. What is she doing here? <laughs> <laughs> I, I I agree. I would like a uh, another interest to make Selena jealous. Uh, and that only, would be so much yeah. more interesting than a Rachel Dawes. Yes. Yes. And only only because again, not to not to put the pressure on the ladies. We're not uh, we're not uh, chauvinists here. It's just that again, Selena is the very aloof type. I don't care. Like a yeah. cat. I don't yeah. care. It would be. I don't care about anybody. Flustered. Exactly. Again, yes. like a cat. It's like, oh, I'm so cool. I'm so calm. But to see her actually get upset about yes. something, pretty cool. Yeah. All right. Um, well, how about, uh, I don't want to wrap things up just yet, but to put a pin in the series as it's led up to right now, how about we just kind of uh, call it where it is um, and agree that since there are 12 more episodes left, since it is a full 22 episode season, Instead of doing our, our, our customary five episodes, we meet back up halfway in between now and the finale at six episodes. That makes perfect sense. Okay. Uh, just to not get disjointed and, and whatnot. So something I want to do now is something that uh, I did at the end of the last time we talked about Gotham. And I want to sort of bring up not necessarily villains like I did last time, but I want to bring up other Batman characters, uh, as it's been sort of previewed. Um, you're good. Don't worry about it. Um, uh, there's that one character that you mentioned that has been confirmed to like Bruce's, uh, like therapist or something. I, I don't quite Leslie remember. Leslie Tompkins. Yeah. Leslie Tompkins. Uh, she's kind of always thought about as like the first responder almost sometimes not in any sort of, uh, police or fireman capacity, but just as like a, a, a psychologist and a therapist yeah. who first dealt with Bruce's trauma. Right. Um, oh, did you hear the announcement? Of I was just about to bring this up. Uh, we will be getting apparently a prenatal Robin. <laughs> prenatal Robin. Well, you know, as as silly as... God, you couldn't what have picked any... What does that mean? You couldn't picked any worse fucking wording. Why don't you just say you're going to introduce the fucking Graysons? Yeah. You're going to introduce the flying Graysons? You can introduce fucking whatever his mom and dad who are kick ass acrobats. Jane Grayson. Yeah. Prenatal. God damn it. God <laughs> damn it. No, anyways, but yeah, just say you're fucking introducing Haley Circus and the Flying Graces. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Who um no, I was gonna say Maroney didn't kill the Graysons. Boss Zucko killed the Graysons. Who's Boss Zucko? Just no one of huge notoriety other than he killed the Graysons. So, but so, like, what was he like in the crime sphere? I don't know if he had any, any allegiance to Falcone or Maroney, but he was like a gangster. Yeah, he was a gangster okay. and he was extorting the, the circus. So okay. I will say though, I, I won't call this, but mm-hmm. if there's any mention of Zucco, like Z U C C O, that's a hint towards the, the Graysons and okay. them being killed. Gotcha. 
So I got a list of uh, Batman supporting characters here. Last time we went through villains and uh, talked about uh, if they'd be a good fit and how to fit them in to sure. the Gotham series at, at this point in the season, within this season, or much further down the road. Um, so uh, like coming up immediately, um, you have Nightwing and Red Robin and you know uh, Red Hood. Um, as well as, you know, you got fucking uh, uh, Damien. Um, Virtually anyone are, who's know, played yeah, a Robin All the Robins, role. which, again, we sort of just touched on it, but also the idea of, like, a Damien with, you know, Batman having a son. He's fucking 12. He's not having any fucking kids yet. Sure. So throw all that out the window. Um, uh, let's see about... Yeah, I don't think we need an Ace the Bat Hound. Um... Who, uh, I don't know if I've ever, uh, let's see, uh, Batgirl, uh, Barbara Gordon, she'll be a little baby. Um, big ups, big ups for writing Barbara out. Do you want to, do you want to take a little time to rant? I don't need to get, I don't need to make a big deal, make a big verbal scene about it, but been asking for it forever. As, as far as us talking about female characters on this show goes, uh, I, I'll at least go out on a limb and say least likable female character on the show, weakest written female character on the show, and also least and worst uh, liked and acted uh, character on the show. 100%. And like you said in the last one, I'll remove the female from those. I'll say 100%. No offense, lady. Not trying to get on your case or nothing. Uh, the actress who plays Barbara Gordon, but... No, thank you. Not into it. By far, by far, least favorite thing. Yeah, it has nothing to do with like what she's doing either. It's just, sure, just yeah, just the way she's being used, uh, device wise, and 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 just yeah. uh, just uh, just grading. It is. It's the most, and it's the most basic and blase of like your basic damsel. Yes. She is a basic Very bitch. Basic. You basic bitch, Barbara Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> That's that's gonna be my T-shirt. Barbara Gordon is a basic bitch. Now, I'm coming across. Uh, <clears throat> obviously, I'm familiar with Batgirl. Uh, tell me a little bit about Batwoman, Kate Kane. A lot of writers have sort of integrated that more into modern times. But what you have to understand about the Golden Age and the Silver Age of of Batman, which is everything from when he debuted in '39 to pretty much 66 is that there's there are a lot of wacky stories and a lot of expansion characters um greg rucka did a really good job of again bringing that character into like a modern sense making her sort of her own but then again i don't really have a lot to add to you it's kind of just another vigilante base okay another another affluent gotham family turning to vigilantism. So maybe we are seeing something there that you don't have to be a Wayne to be a rich kid that takes a, takes the fight to the streets. Yeah. Got So I was going to say, if I, as if I were trying to find your angle or your pitch there, it's that it's that the, the, the history of Gotham's affluent, either in the case of the court of our owls being villains and then on the opposite of Bruce Wayne, obviously, and then the Canes choosing to like, all right, well, we're going to take back our city. Okay. Uh, another uh, character introduced that we completely skipped over, although we did mention 
the last time we talked about this, Tommy Elliott. That's right. Yeah, I think Rich was waiting for this one. Rich had some familiarity with this one. Did that come from the video games, or how did you know about it? No, Tom I Brown? actually had read Hush. Okay. A friend of mine, back when I worked at Nailer, brought in some Batman comics one day, and it was just a slow day. I just plowed through a shit ton of them. Excellent. Uh, and Hush, man, was really fucking good. Really good. Um, oh, man. Yeah. Fucking my man Paul Dini wrote a follow-up called The Heart of Hush. Mm-hmm. Personal, personal, definitely one of my top favorite stories. Wow. Unbelievable. Heart of Hush. So good. Well, the Tommy Elliot that was introduced in Gotham was a little bit different than the Tommy Elliot we know as far as their friends in the comics. Um, yes. Whereas in this iteration, he was more so a bully. Just a prep to, school yeah. jack off. Which could change. True. Uh, they definitely have plenty of time to do it. Bruce definitely taught him a fucking lesson. Stood up for himself thanks to fucking Alfred. Dude, Alfred is gangster, dude. I would love, I'd love to, hey, if anyone is listening to this in the UK, throw us some good terms for someone who's gangster in like, in, in British English or what have you, you know? Yeah, if, it feels like, uh, at least over here, we know plenty of terms for like, you know, being a shithead. Yeah, like a uh, wanker yeah, or a yeah. knob or something. Yeah, a uh, git. Right. Uh, I want but, like a badass. yeah. yeah. Uh, I know, like, please. Irish people, I think Irish use, like, right and proper. Like, yeah. he's a right, proper badass. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, think, I think that also may be used. Uh, if we're wrong, let us know, please. Please. But also, no. please, uh, give us those terms uh, at yeah. Blank Slate Pod on Twitter. Um, next up, uh, another reference that we talked about was the Gordon's apartment. Yes. Uh, with the clock tower, uh-huh. with the clock face, and you, that brought up you telling me about the Birds of Prey, which I was not very familiar with. Right. Well, the Birds of Prey was a as a team uh, composed of several rotating um, female heroes, all pretty Gotham-centric. The core was always Barbara Gordon as Oracle, who operated from a clock tower, which is sort of what brought the comparison, along with excuse me, Black Canary, who you can know from the Green Arrow universe, um, occasional appearances from Catwoman, Huntress, who in in some parallel universes is actually like the daughter of Bruce Wayne, but that's a way, way alternate universe, versus just like another vigilante in the city. Um, who else is in the Birds of Prey? Um, but anyways, again, oh, another I, good... I have it right fucking in front of me. Um, <laughs> who else we got? Let me see, Black Canary, Huntress, Lady Blackhawk, Savant. Uh, Lady Kriok. Shiva. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, then it was like rebooted. Uh, Starling, else? Poison Ivy, Katana, Batgirl. Ah, uh, we hit the main. It's, okay, yeah. It's yeah. Oracle, Black Canary, Huntress, and Catwoman pretty much. But um, yeah, yeah, we were just watching one episode and we noticed that that... The clock face clock tower motif was very prevalent in the Gordon apartment, and Barbara Gordon Oracle operated traditionally from a clock tower. All right, um, here's an interesting one that I am pretty much only familiar with because I read this uh, st- uh, storyline arc, uh, as it were, uh, Azrael. Oh, yeah, man. Uh, uh, Jean-Paul Valley. Jean-Paul Valley. that's right. Azriel. Really good. Oh, also, got to give a shout-out to Gail Simone. That's what I was going to do. Who 
wrote a lot of Birds of Prey. Gail Simone's a very um, influential and very talented female writer of comic books who I think deserves a lot of praise. And trust me, I'm not very PC. I'm not here to give nods just because people tell me I should, but Gail Simone wrote Birds of Prey. She also wrote a lot of the Secret Six and Suicide Squad stuff. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if, if the new Suicide Squad film touches upon a lot of stuff she wrote. So there you go. Shout out to Gail Simone. So, um, right around the time that Nightfall happened in the early 90s, actually right before it, which was uh, serendipitous, Chuck Dixon created John Paul Valley in Asriel. And it's been a while since I've read that, but it was kind of like this, um, uh, what would the word be? It's like a holdover from the Crusades. It was like this Christian Brotherhood. Of like uh, like, this, a, like a, a, a Knights of the Templar type yes, deal? Yes, exactly. Like a Brotherhood of Knights, Knights of the Templar, uh, of this defender of the faith, and that was him. Um, Azrael, John Powell Valley. It's like a succession thing. It's yeah. like there's one every, every decade or every generation. So um, when Batman, spoiler alert from 25 years ago, when Batman had his back broken yeah. uh, by Bane in the Nightfall saga, he was replaced briefly by Jean-Paul Valley, um, who took over the mantle. And even after that was resolved and Bruce Wayne came back, Azrael, or Azrael did uh, fight a lot of crime. Yeah. And again, so another Gotham ally. Any chance of maybe seeing him in Gotham, perhaps? You or or references to that uh, sort of brotherhood or uh, what have you, whatever it may be. On two points, going back the, to... Uh, the Order of St. Dumas. Yes, the Order of St. Dumas. Going back to what we talked about, Gotham is a city of families. And I think even Falcone sort of hints on that in the pilot. Um, uh, so you could, I think you could make a, an argument there of the, the Valley family of Gotham. Mm -hmm. But also, what if there's just a really weird kid uh, at the same academy as Bruce and Tommy Elliott? Yeah. But weird, but also like a solid friend yeah. who's like already at this point kind of fundamental. Yeah. And like, 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 oh, that kid's family's a bunch of freaks yeah. or something like yeah. that. Oh, Bruce, you're going to hang out with Jean Paul. That, yeah. that kid is weird. Yeah. And he just comes to be like his, his best friend. Yeah. Or whatever. Okay. And then like uh, Bruce, Jean Paul, and like Tommy are just like a little, little trio. Yeah. Um, of affluent weirdos. Yeah. Who are going to be, you know, again, the big members of this uh, universe. Um, I feel like we have some leeway to actually talk about this one now that we've kind of sort of seen some hints and nods and winks towards a League of Shadows because uh, I know we obviously talked about Rachel Ghoul before. What about Talia Ghoul? For anybody who saw it, Dark Knight Rises... Um, you know Talia as the daughter of Rachel mm -hmm. Ghoul, um, also the the lover and in in modern community mother to one of Bruce Wayne's children. Actually, I think his only child. Yeah, his only kid. So, and also just future reference. Don't name your kid Damien. Don't name your kid Damien. You're just asking for it. You're asking for it. That was Grant Morrison's doing. Grant Morrison, what are you thinking? Hey, anybody listening? Just track down any podcast Grant Morrison has ever done. And it is insane and awesome. He <laughs> must be a really cool dude. He sounds pretty awesome. I, I agree with that. So so big ups to him, too. We're shouting out to a lot of uh, writers, a lot yeah. of bat writers right now. So 
Um, I think that's an interesting thing. I think it's been touched on by modern community with like Dark Knight Rises, and I don't know of all the of all the grand conspiracy type things. I'm never the biggest fan of League of Shadows. Uh, well, here's okay. I'll throw you. I'll throw you another pitch. Yes. Even though this is getting really, really Bruce and prep school heavy. Yes. You could have another. You could have a the pretty girl at the prep school. Mm-hmm. And that would allow you to encounter, that would allow a 13-year-old Bruce to encounter an adult Rachel Ghoul just mm-hmm. one day. Yeah. And just, like, have them eyeball each other. Um, I would, I guess that family is not very tied to the city. You know what I right. mean? Like, that's not a Gotham city. Those are outsiders. They, they out from the outside, look upon Gotham as, as a, a cur. Right. And I think this this series has a lot of strength in like, this is the hometown. Yes. Like this is, it's named Gotham. This is about Gotham, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think I would avoid delving into things that are going to stray too far from the city. Uh, cool. All right. Um, man, I'm so tempted to just talk about Batmite right here. Yeah. <laughs> but we don't have to. <laughs> Now they, it'd be, it'd like as much as I want to go into like mysticism and shit like that, like just, no, we're not gonna do that. You could, <laughs> you know, there Fox and and these showrunners are too busy trying to put together a network show to cater yeah. to all these things. But yeah. you know, throwing down a reference or two would definitely get the <laughs> fanboy blood going. Absolutely, uh, one way or the other. Do you uh, know who uh, Mister Mixapidlick is? He's like the Superman yeah. equivalent. Yeah, yeah, I'd love that in this next film. Throw me a little mix-up flick. A Mr. Mixapidlic reference. In Is that how it's pronounced? Mixapidlic? It's, it's been spelled like four different ways okay. in continuity, and there's different acceptances. Um, I don't think it would be too hard to get like a little bit of a Jack Ryder reference later on uh, in the series. He could be in like, you know, his school news uh, production uh, and just be like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to be an anchor one day. You know, honestly, like that. I think um, rather than... Okay, that's a great point. Uh, Jack Ryder, also known as the Creeper. Um, rather than have Harvey older and Harvey as the public crusader and literal like judicial crusader, but... Have it be Jack Ryder? Jack, the muckraker, the guy who's going after Falcone and going after Maroney and the guy who's going to get his shit fucked up yeah. at... Indian Hill or Access Chemical because he's poking his nose around. Okay. I think that is also, I think this job is kind of, or the show could sort of set up proto vigilantes for Batman to, to base himself off of. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind a, oh man, a creeper arc where uh-huh. they try and knock off this nosy reporter yeah. in some chemical fashion and he just comes back and he's crazy. Ooh, god damn, dude. <laughs> that was a good pull, Rich. I think that that good. would be something Ooh. cool to see. All right. Um if you've never seen it, um check out the new Batman Adventures episode Beware the Creeper cuz it's got like an origin story for him there and it's fantastic. Check it out. I'm kind of starting to run a little dry here. Um uh, here's something that strikes a chord. Uh, uh, Blue Beetle. I don't know where I've heard that before. Uh, Blue Beetle. Um, it says here, close friend of Oracle. Yeah, another um, sort of friend of the... Does it say Ted Cord? Yes. 
Ted Cord uh, was like a. I don't know if he came from money, but Ted Cord is a very smart, very socially conscious character in the DC universe. Um, who adopted the mantle of the Blue Beetle, kind of like a Batman without so much tragedy, like technologically capable uh, person with the means to fight injustice. Uh, I will say, I'm, I have not watched any of it, but in the promotional poster for the Flash series on CW, mm-hmm. there is, um, in the poster, there's something that says Corp Industries. Okay. So I think that that they might explore that character a little bit on that show. Jesus Christ. I got to the section that's uh, Bruce Wayne's love interest, and it's so long. It's just... This is well, ridiculous. It's hard to be so crude on this sometimes, but yeah, he's a, he's a player. This is just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, and then you have uh, Dick Grayson's love interest, also almost as long. Dude, you know what's creepy is there's probably some overlap there, dude. I, I saw a little bit. <laughs> uh... Man, this is crazy. Um, is there anyone else that you could think of? Uh, in terms of allies or just in terms of someone on the show? That just would be- be, uh, all right, how about a, a, a Lucius Fox? I, again, the films did a really good job of, and before it, the animated series, making that a very viable character. So that's cool. Um I think we got the mentorship role filled in pretty well by Alfred right now. Yeah. Not trying to push anybody out, but again, I think a little little overbearing. Unless you wanted him as like, you could have your inside man. As we've seen in the earlier episodes, there are corrupt Wayne yeah. executives. Yeah. And you could have Lucius Fox as the one, the one Wayne executive who's not down with what's going on. So actually, there's a good spot there for somebody to be looking out for Bruce. Yeah. Have we talked? I, I feel like we did the first time. Uh, have we talked about getting on Harriet on the show? <laughs> I feel like we might have. Yeah, that's all we need to say in that case. Um. Oh, well, weren't we talking about? Oh, we were talking about Chief O'Hara. That's we're talking right. about getting yes. Officer O'Hara, <laughs> yes. like a super, super <laughs> Irish like beat officer. God damn, dude! I would love to see me some Officer O'Hara, dude. Yes. <laughs> Um, oh, that'd be great. And that's another League of Assassin sort of thing. Uh, no, not really with that. Um, who's uh, Slam Bradley? Slam Bradley's actually a super, super old character. That's okay. like a, probably someone who's been around since like the 30s or 40s. Just another detective. That is someone you could never had a huge bearing on community although i think catwoman may have had a kid with him yeah it says I think here that's what it is. that um that became good friends with catwoman uh had a son slam bradley jr and uh that kid is a cop in gotham and uh bradley's son uh, the son had uh a kid with catwoman oh so that's what it says slam here. bradley jr yeah did. yeah that sounds like uh <laughs> Like something you can get at uh, Denny's. <laughs> I'll have the Slam Bradley Jr., please. Can I have the Slamwich Bradley Jr., please? Slamwich. Um. Yeah, kind of think. Um, yeah, this is running a little dry here. Anyone else that you could sort of think of? 
I'm trying to think along the lines of mentorship or just compelling characters in the city. Well, someone who's going to have to be done and done in a big way is going to be either Jonas or Amadeus Arkham. Amadeus Ooh. Arkham is like the the actual like 1700s founder, colonial Gothamite who started the sanitarium. Yeah. But you're going to have a Jonas Arkham. Well, it's likely you will. Right. And I'm I'm yeah, I'm ex- I would be excited at that prospect. That's an interesting character cuz you're going to have to there's just possibility there. And there's really, I don't think anything to really live up to or let down, but you're going to have to definitely think about who is doing this undertaking, who is, you know, it's the environment that's compelling. You know, it's yeah. like this asylum. And how do you retain your, your sanity there? Or are you just as insane as everybody else? You know, um, we get very, well, no. I was going to say we're still... Still haven't had much Joker reference. No, and we're no. We're gonna be heading into both Indian Hill and Arkham Asylum very soon. Did they? I'm trying to remember because I think in the same announcement of the the prenatal Robin, did they nix the idea of there being a Harley Quinn yet? I don't know if they nixed it, but that is something. That's definitely someone we can see as a doctor at. Arkham. Certainly, certainly. Um. Well, yeah, I'm I'm running a little bit dry. Any other any other DC characters from outside of the Gotham world? Again, either this season or later on down the road, like you never know, sort of thing. I'm I'm always for you know continuity building. DC, the biggest thing they've ever done to shoot themselves in the foot is to refuse to fucking do that. Yeah. I mean, the whole crux of Marvel's success has been continuity. I mean, they're only really doing it with. Uh, uh, Air, Green Arrow or Arrow and Flash, which I think they're having like another crossover episode as well. Which they should, because again, I mean, like I like we just said about Ted Korb, and I know the villains that are going to be on Flash and the villains that have been on Green Arrow, mm-hmm. they need to start doing that shit. Um, I don't need to see anything Superman related, but I'm never above a mention of Metropolis. Yeah, I'm never above that, especially in juxtaposition of the city. Shit, you could you could go to Metropolis for an episode. That might be cool. Well, yeah, tough be. to do. Um, I really like this Zantana idea. Zantana, yeah. I think that would be a great, great junior love triangle type thing. Yeah. And and Jack Ryder slash the Creeper. That would be wonderful. Um, I'm trying to think of other like journalists. The only other one that comes to mind is Vicky Vale, and yeah, we don't need that. Yeah. Trying to think still if there's anything else really, really. Well, if you guys can think of anybody, again, hit us up at Blank Slate Pod on Twitter uh, or Blank Slate Podcast at gmail.com. And, you know, with that, I think we might as well just kind of segue into the plugs and I'll get your thoughts, uh, closing thoughts in a minute, unless you have anything else, any other topics you wanted to bring up. Nope. Uh, just giving a shout out to those writers again. Yeah. Uh, we talked about Gail Simone, Birds of Prey, Grant Morrison, and his everything crazy he's done. Chuck Dixon, who helped create Azrael and who well did create him and Mastermind Nightfall. Uh, Jeff Loeb and Jim Lee, who did Hush, which is very great. And my man, one of my favorites ever, Paul Dini, yeah. who not only killed it in the animated series, but wrote one of my favorite stories, 
Heart of Hush. Please check that out. That's that's a great one. There you go. That's that's a whole reading list right there for you, especially in these winter months if you're going to be cooped up in your apartments, houses, bungalows, whatever may have you. Yes. So yeah, uh, thank you very much for listening to the blank slate. As uh, I would hope you do, if you're listening to this, you are subscribed on Twitter or or on Twitter on iTunes or Stitcher. If you are, please head on over to the iTunes store and give us a uh, rating and a review, uh, five stars or whatever you deem fair. And please, even just as tantamount as uh, giving us reviews to help us with our standing in iTunes. Tell a friend, tweet a friend, slip a friend a note, tell them, hey, podcast uh, listener, I know you are. Check these guys out. Uh, if you don't like one thing they talk about, you'll like another thing. We'll get there. And if you don't like what they're talking about, tell them to talk about something you do like and we'll give it our damnedest. And yeah, we like to think we're pretty entertaining uh, in the meantime. With that said... Thank you again very much. Uh, I like to uh, plug uh, my own stuff. Check out the audiobooks that I have been uh, working on narrating and editing and producing as well. Uh, they're on iTunes, Audible, and uh, Amazon. There's the Sky Castle Kids book series as well as how to do research for your novel. Um, check them out. They're super helpful and or entertaining uh, for kids and uh, hell i had fun reading it so fuck it listen to yourself rich has been hard at work so definitely check it out thank you um and also follow me on twitter at rich cammy on instagram at rich cammy four and that's enough of my own self-flagellation uh robert what do you got oh come check me out on twitter at m bravo m bravo still trying to get a lot going there but i will eventually um not a whole lot other than that. I'll always let you know if there is something. Yes. And we will be soon debuting a new project that Robert and I have been working on. Uh, we should be debuting it very, very soon, possibly very shortly after you're hearing this. So be on the lookout for that. Uh, we'll be on those outlets that we talked about. Oh, also there is a blank slate, uh, Facebook page as well. Go and like that. It's new. I just made it. And, uh, yeah, let's get that Facebook stuff going as well. A little bit more, uh, interactive on a, a larger scope. Um, but yeah. And, and also the other project that, uh, Robert and I are working on very, very unique, cool focused idea. Uh, we've already recorded a couple, uh, and, I like what's happening. Oh, I do too. I'm very into it. Um, again, yeah, everybody, please, like Rich just said, and this will probably be my final piece, just reach out to us, you know? Um, reach out and touch somebody, Just baby. reach out to us, you know? I'm talking about some of my favorite things here. I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. Love to hear different points we haven't thought of, points we haven't considered. We have this whole wonderful freaking internet here, you know? We're broadcasting. I know you're out there, you know? Reach back. Well... As a beautiful note to, to close us out on. So, for Robert Colomberti, this is Rich Camalucci saying thank you very much for listening to the Blank Slate podcast. Podcast with the. You can go ahead and delete this now. Catch us later. This has been a Podswoggle Network production. Visit podswoggle.com for more of that sweet, sweet entertainment.